Hi, everyone. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford. He is the one and only Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Wes, we're another day closer to Packers Bears Part 2 for 2018. It'll be Sunday, a noon central time kickoff at Soldier Field. And I know we mentioned earlier this week how the Bears are one victory away from clinching their first NFC North title since 2010. One thing I didn't realize at the time earlier this week, and now it's come up in some different uh, avenues throughout the course of this week, is that the Packers' visit to the Bears in the regular season in 2010 to Soldier Field was the last time yeah. the Packers lost down there. I, I, For some reason, that hadn't even occurred to me until you start looking at the stats and hearing what people are talking about, and it's like, wow, the Packers have won seven regular season games in a row, eight in a row in all, including the 2010 NFC Championship game. It's really quite the streak between these two rivals and not something I was even totally aware of. Pretty surprising, to be honest yeah. with you. And I was actually going to open the show if you wouldn't have led in that way by asking you as a historian of this thing, <laughs> if you realize that, because... Usually I pay attention to that kind of stuff, and this one went past me. Someone else had mentioned it, and then I yeah. looked it up, and I was like, wow. So I went, and when I was writing the story for Packers.com, I went through each one of those seasons on NFL GSIS, and it's funny how I recalled every one, single one of those games, maybe besides 2011, but I remember 12, I remember 13. Well, 13 is pretty unforgettable. You're always going to remember yeah. that one. And 16 is pretty unforgettable yeah. as well with the deep ball to Jordy Nelson to set up the walk-off field goal. And what's wild about it is I never really stitched them all together right, right. to realize that this is an eight-game winning streak now dating back to that NFC Championship game in 2000. 11 essentially yeah uh, that led to the Packers going to Super Bowl 45 it's pretty incredible and Aaron Rodgers was talking about this at his locker on Wednesday and he said you know there was some stuff made out of Chicago about Akeem Hicks saying you know some comments about Rodgers comments and Rodgers is like I wasn't trying to say anything about it other than just a statement of fact yeah that they're trying to get their ninth straight win at Soldier Field so it's interesting to me in that there's so many storylines that fit into this thing when you look at how the Packers have been playing uh, in, in the run that the Bears have got on, winning I think six of the last seven, now you have these two teams meeting, and it just so happens to be stakes for each team. The Bears trying to clinch their first NFC North titles, you said, in eight years, and the Packers trying to keep their playoff hopes alive yeah. in a suddenly wide-open NFC race. It's very interesting when you break it all down and also look at the fact that the Packers are carrying in this winning streak of what this game truly means, and the fact that it's also being played in December only adds to it. Well, it's interesting because uh, the Bear, the Bears certainly, Matt Nagy in his conference call with reporters yesterday said he's not paying attention right. and wasn't even aware of the Packers' winning streak in Chicago. I'm not sure I totally believe that. But the point being, they're not necessarily getting hung up on that kind of history. But you know those guys in the locker room who have been here, have been in Chicago for a number of years, and have faced their rival at home and not been able to come out with a victory, you know that this means something to them on top of the fact that they can clinch their first division title. And interestingly with Chicago, if I'm not mistaken, I believe the Bears are 6-1 and one at Soldier Field this year. Their only loss at home was to the New England Patriots, right. and that was a game that ended on the one-yard line. Remember with that Hail Mary and the Bears caught it, but the Patriots held them out of the end zone? So uh, that's the only game that the Bears have lost at home this year. And quite frankly, 
all all four of the Bears losses this year have been sort of in that heartbreaking variety, starting with week one when Rodgers brings the Packers back from 20 to nothing. I just mentioned the New England game ending on the one yard line. They lost in overtime to the New York Giants a couple of weeks ago with backup quarterback Chase Daniel, but a game that the Bears had rallied at the end and had all this momentum and right. everything, but then couldn't pull it out in OT. And then I'm trying to remember, uh, it, it, it escapes me now. It was in my head, the the other Chicago loss this season. Um, they also, they the Giants, the oh, Dolphins, the Miami game. and Miami, yeah, which the one in, also was that own That, cr- that crazy back-and-forth game in Miami that, that they ended up losing in overtime when they had multiple opportunities to win that one. So an interesting season for the Bears and one that, they want to add another chapter to with uh, with that division championship if they can beat the Packers. Yeah, and it's funny in that they've just had some absolute nail biters. When you go back to that Miami game, I remember watching that here at the office and just being in awe of everything that happened with the the Kenyon Drake fumble and, and them being able to come back and that everything was, that, that was into yeah it. that that was one of the wildest games. Well, I mean, and Miami just had that game with New England. I mean, but that Miami Chicago game was was one of the wildest football games of the season. Absolutely across it, the board. The the thing that really stands out to me the most though is the fact that they are coming off of their biggest win of the season. The Bears are in that regard. I mean, yep. beating the Rams at home in a primetime football game. You look before that, Mike. I mean. Like their strength of victories just aren't really that strong. I mean, you beat the teams you had to beat. Yeah, that's how you get to be nine and four. Yep. you have to be able to beat the Jets and the Bills, and you know the Cardinals of the world. But you know the Seahawks weren't the Seahawks. At least the Seahawks were seeing now when they played them. So yeah, the Bears got them really early in the season before the Seahawks kind of found their footing, and yeah. that's that 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 was a nice win for Chicago. Certainly looks good now in that NFC playoff picture. So from my perspective, I, the way I look at this matchup, I. I mean, I don't know who's going to win it. I'm not claiming that at all. But I think that this is going to be one of those knockdown, dragout type football games. I would be very so surprised too. if it ends up being a blowout on either side because you look at the Bears defensively, the way that they're built, you know, they, they are there to make the game low scoring, to find ways to get takeaways, to give opportunities to their offense. Their offense, I think in the end what Matt Nagy wants to accomplish here is to get a, a – not safe, that's the wrong word, but protecting the football and being able to establish the short area stuff, being able to use some of the trickeration, being able to get the running game going, and then have some big plays down the field. When they get to that point, I think you're going to see the Bears really become you know solid elite contenders. But from the Packers' perspective, you're coming off of a game in which you've scored the most points you've scored all season, and now you're taking on a team that you actually beat back in Week 1. Yes, it was dramatic. Aaron <laughs> Rodgers talked about it. It's going to go down as one of the more special moments of his NFL career. Would it be a little bit more special had the Packers been able to have a big winning season, as he called it? Of course. Yeah. But at one of the points I tried to make in the story that I wrote is the fact that if the Packers don't come back in that game, this game really has no meaning. It has yeah. no ramifications. Right. That's why the Packers are where they are in the fact that they can go back now and they're in a position to potentially be able to pick up another one on the road at Soldier Field, it adds to just another chapter in this rivalry. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely one to uh, to look forward to. When a couple of weeks ago we were wondering just even what might be at stake when the Packers go to Chicago, but uh, um, but this should be a fun one. Uh, quickly, though, Packers fans, stop in at your local Quick Trip. Pick up your Packers Cup today. Get 89-cent refills on your Cafe Karuba coffee all season long. And the last time I think I'll be reading this one, Wes, be sure to enter the Cousin Subs Best Seats in the House promotion. You and a guest could win a chance to kick back on the 50-yard line in style. Two pairs of lucky Packers fans 
will be chosen prior to each home game for this VIP experience. Enter daily now through December 16 by completing the entry form and submitting. For complete rules and eligibility, go to packers.com slash best seats. Cousin subs, we believe in better. Okay, I know tomorrow, our final show of the week, we're going to get into the keys to victory and all that. And we've already talked about this a little bit during the week, but it it bears repeating. You, The way the statistics line up in this game, Chicago, 25 interceptions, 34 total takeaways on defense, which far and away leads the NFL. The Green Bay Packers with only 12 giveaways on the season. Only 10 of those with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, right. I might add, because of the two that Kaiser had when Rodgers was dealing with that knee injury in week one. Aaron Rodgers with just one interception. He's the only quarterback in the NFL, the only regular starting quarterback in the NFL this year with just the one interception. Rodgers has now the record streak, 368 consecutive pass attempts without an interception. You just get the sense that uh, maybe more so in this type of matchup than any other, that one or two turnovers are going to decide yeah. who comes out on top here, huh? Absolutely, Mike. And it's so interesting to me because I was bringing up the stats right now. I was trying to see where the Chicago Bears are at offensively with passer rating right now. Defensively, 73.4 opposing passer rating wow. so far on the season. Yes, there's been 21 touchdowns, which is in the upper echelon of the league, but 25 the 25 picks, as interceptions you said, is what drags down that uh, opposer passer rating for sure. The next closest defense in terms of opposing passer rating is 83.4. That belongs to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then if you look at it on the other side of things, I was trying to find it stalling, 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 <laughs> stalling. Uh, I'm not going to find it because I – oh, here it is. Uh, the Chicago Bears, 92.6 offensive. That's a 20-point difference. So even though, you know, Mitchell Trubisky's had some turnovers this year and they've had some moments where they haven't been maybe offensively explosive, that defense is going to keep you in games. The part of this I really like, and you kind of uh, predicted this a little bit earlier in the week when we were looking at Kyle Fuller's seven interceptions yeah. on the league the year – you look at where his season has gone, the fact that this whole 2018 began for him signing a restricted tender with the Packers right. to potentially come to Green Bay. Yeah, Brian Gutekunst was trying to get him uh, to uh, cross the border, so yeah. to speak. and the Bears matched it. And yep. as he was saying in his conference call with reporters, yeah, what better way right now for him having seven picks on the year than to end the streak for Aaron Rodgers? Conversely, Aaron Rodgers is trying to continue what he did in the second half against the Bears. 17 of 23 for 243 yards, three touchdowns, whatever it was. There is, like, that juxtaposition of those two forces yeah. is making this, I think, one of the must-see matchups of this Week 15. Yeah, well, it's interesting because when you look at the Bears, it's not just the 34 turnovers, which uh, is six better than any other defense in the league to this point. But I took a, a closer look at their statistics. I knew they had a handful, but I didn't realize that that defense has scored six touchdowns yeah. this season. Eddie Jackson, the safety who is second to Fuller on the team with five interceptions, he's returned two picks for touchdowns, and he also has a fumble return for a touchdown. And they have three other defensive touchdowns on the year. One of those here at Lambeau Field, Khalil Mack with the interception return of that uh, ill-advised screen pass um, by Deshaun Kaiser late in the first half there in week one. But man, oh man, six defensive touchdowns in, what is it, 13 games at this point? Yeah. That's that's just remarkable. And and as as we talked about on yesterday's show, this is so 
reminiscent of other Bears teams, yeah. Bears competitive playoff caliber teams in the past, that uh, that they lean on their defense, the offense can do just enough. And uh, and as we said, with, with Mitchell Trubisky just being a second-year pro at quarterback with presumably you know his arrow, his progression still heading upward, it's really going to be interesting to see what happens with this Bears team in the future. But for the right here and now, this is a big one Sunday. It is, and, and the thing that I'm most looking forward to is the fact that, yeah, they did see Tom Brady, and they actually came out on the losing side of things. But other than that, they still haven't faced a quarterback quite like Aaron Rodgers, who is as turnover-averse as he's been throughout the course of his career. I was going to try to bring up quickly as I continue. And it's funny because Fuller, as we mentioned with the seven interceptions, he knows he should have eight because he should have had the one at Lambeau Field in week one, which would have squelched the Packers' comeback efforts in that game. Rodgers uh, threw one that, uh, that... you know, hit Fuller right in the chest, so to speak, and he didn't hang on to it. And as they say, sometimes you you drop a pick, you give up a game-winning touchdown, and that's exactly how week one ended up unfolding. Yeah, and if you look at the Packers, too, it's the same exact situation where they had a chance to to, to stop what the Cardinals were doing and weren't able to bring it in yep. two weeks ago. Yep. Those turnover plays are so important, especially in those critical juncture of, of games. But history is what it is. Hindsight is what it is. And the Packers now find themselves in a position at 5-7-1 and one to go in there, potentially having a chance to really get yourself you know, some momentum here in this final stretch of games. I've said it twice. I've written two inboxes this week, Mike. I've said it both times. The Packers beat the Bears with the Bears coming off of the win that they had over the Rams. Suddenly at 6-7-1, and one, nobody wants to play you. Right. So it, it is going to be interesting to see exactly what they're able to do in a game like this. I think it's going to be so important. Again, looking at keys to victory tomorrow, but getting off to a fast start because you know the way things ended in week one – Matt Nagy, Vic Fangio, they're going to have their team mentally ready, mentally conditioned to not be in a position once again where you get off to an early lead and you sacrifice it, you give it up. That's the one kind of, I think, incentive that they're going to really be able to hone in on in wanting to make sure they finish right. So for the Packers, need to get off to a better start in this one. Yeah, and before we move on to one last topic for today, I do want to bring up a a Coach McCarthyism here because I think it applies because we heard over 13 years from Coach Mike McCarthy about the challenge in this league of handling success. And the Chicago Bears are coming off their biggest win of the season. All the spotlight is on them. How do they handle this level of success now with an arch rival, the Packers, coming in to play them? I think that's a factor. You just look at a week ago, the Dallas Cowboys, they beat the New Orleans Saints. Yeah. They had everything going for them. All the spotlight was on them. They had a division rival, the Philadelphia Eagles, coming into their place. And what happens? That game goes to overtime. Right. Could have gone either way several different times down the stretch and in overtime for uh, for what way that game could have gone. So just something to keep in mind because, because handling success in this league is not easy. Yeah, and this league has a very interesting way of humbling you quickly. <laughs> Yes, uh, just does. ask the Rams, just ask the Saints, and even to some extent, while they did come on with the victory, the Cowboys. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, it is uh, about time to be wrapping up online the uh, the Pro Bowl voting. I believe the deadline is later today. Yep. Um, later as, on Thursday. As we're as we're recording this right now, Packers certainly have some Pro Bowl candidates, legitimate Pro Bowl candidates, despite a sub 500 record at this point. I guess the first one that comes to mind for me 
would probably be, well, I guess I'll say two. Devontae Adams with the season he's having and then David Bakhtiari at left tackle. I know Bakhtiari's been dealing with some injuries off and on, but he's out there battling through it, and I still think he's been uh, he's been one heck of a player up front for Green Bay. Yeah, I mean, this entire offense, uh, you look at the, the guys that have started every single game, and you can draw parallels between them when you look at Adams and the season he's had. I mean, Three games to go, he has a chance to have a really special season, not only now in franchise history, but league history. Yeah. If he stays up there in receptions, receiving yards, and touchdowns, I think he's top three in all three of those right now, or top five, okay. somewhere in there. That's remarkable. David Bakhtiari isn't going to have the kind of there, – there's no stats there to <laughs> wow you. But, I, you know, I'd asked Aaron Rodgers about him on Wednesday, and Rodgers didn't bring up Pro Bowl. He didn't bring up All-Pro. He said he had his Hall of Fame potential. I mean, for Rodgers – you know, the thing is, he's always going to talk up his teammates. He's always going to give them credit. But he's always very careful in what he says. He's not going to throw something out there right. just for the sake of praising yeah, someone. He's, he's not, he's not going to go overboard and try to pump somebody up with some kind of false confidence right. or whatever. Not that that's even an issue with Bakhtiari. No, but I mean, the fact that, you know, those two have been together now. Mike, if you look at it now, they're in their sixth season together. It doesn't work a lot like that in the NFL, that you can get a left tackle that's with someone for that amount of time. Even Andrew Whitworth eventually ended up yeah. moving on to the Rams. So uh, for them to have that that one-two punch together in Rodgers in this particular season, especially early on with dealing with the knee injury and Bakhtiari being able to stay out there, you know, and I, I had asked Lucas Patrick about him too earlier this week and what that meant to have him on the field and play every snap when you're down three other offensive linemen, knowing what he's dealing with with his knees. And he said, I mean, he's been – people are afraid to say it, but the guy's legitimately been a snub. Um, he has two all pros to his name right now, but still only yeah. one Pro Bowl. So, yeah, hashtag Pro Bowl vote. Uh, you can type in your favorite Packer player name. You can type in at Mike Spofford, too. Uh, maybe they have I, a, do I they don't have a writer that, category. That, that, that's okay. I'm not. I'm not. Save the Pro Bowl votes for the players. That's perfectly fine. But but there are a lot of decent candidates. When you bring up Adams, you bring up Bakhtiari. I think Kenny Clark. Uh, the, yeah, that was done that was that the position. other one I was going to mention. Kenny Clark on the defensive side, I think, is the one guy for the Packers who has a legitimate case. I mean, to have six sacks as an interior defensive lineman. And, you know, and the player vote here is going to be part of this. The players, I believe it's tomorrow, are going to be casting yeah. their votes. Um, and that's where I think a guy like Kenny Clark start, will, will start to get some attention because all these teams that have played the Packers, and certainly since Mike Daniels has been out uh, with his foot injury and gone on injured reserve, anything in the trenches as far as game planning against the Packers, you're focused on Kenny Clark. And that's the kind of thing that goes a long way in terms of the in terms of the attention and the things that can garner votes for this. Yeah, and for people that don't know, it's it's basically thirds is how this all goes. Yeah. It's a third the coaching vote, third the player vote, and third uh, fan, fan vote, vote yeah. I believe it is. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's across the board in that regard, and certainly uh, you know, it is in some ways a popularity contest. I, I know one of the things we always used to say about B.J. Raji was Raji probably deserved to go in 2011 or 2010. He ended up going in 11. A lot of times it's a year after. It almost seems to be like yeah, and that and that was the case a handful of years ago with guys like T.J. Lang yeah. and Josh Sitton for the Packers. And the other one I'll mention right now, who I think is on that path, is Corey Lindsley, right. the Packers center. He he's as deserving maybe as anybody right now, but as you say, it, it sometimes takes a while for that recognition to show up. So I think Lindsley is one of those guys who's on that Pro Bowl track in terms of being one of those, you know, in the trenches, anonymous type right. of uh, type of warriors. And uh, so 
if it doesn't come for him this year, certainly something that could come for him down the road. Strange, uh, out of the Wes Hodkowitz stats and info department, new, <laughs> they just they just started it. Okay. It's not like the Mike Spoffer one that's been here for several years. Uh, I, I was going through some statistics. It was interesting. This game on Sunday will be the two-year anniversary of the last time Corey Lindsley missed a snap. Week 15 against the Bears, he had to go out because wow. of an equipment injury or equipment issue. Excuse me, he was gone for one play. Don Barkley had to come in at center. Since then, he's played according to my math, which I'm not claiming to be great at, but is or it's somewhere around the 2,056 consecutive snaps since then. 2,000. Uh, 2,000. Yeah, he played every snap Holy last cow. year and he's played every snap so far this year. So uh, and especially considering the Packers really haven't had a traditional center behind him. Uh, very important for him to be getting that kind of work. Yeah, that's uh, that's actually quite the – I mean, I know we talked last year about Joe Thomas and the Browns, and he got to like 10,000 yeah. snap, which, which is just like off the charts ridiculous. But, I mean, to play 2,000 consecutive – I don't care what position you're playing, to play 2,000 consecutive snaps in this league, that's, that's a feather in your cap. And I think if my numbers are right, if it wouldn't have been for that equipment issue, I think he's played every snap dating back to when he came off of PUP – uh, midway through 2016 when yeah. J.C. Treader was starting, then he got hurt, right. and then Lindsley came Lindsley back. I think he's in. played every snap since then. Wow, that's something. Well, for now, we got to go. We'll call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. On Twitter, he's at Wes Hot. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. See you next time. <laughs>